and gentlemen, broadcast a live to you and yours. It's Mr. X to the Z exhibit. Yeah, bouncing. Come on. The first day of the rest of my life. X stand behind the mic like Walter Cronkite. Y'all keep the spotlight. I'm keeping my bombs tight. What's up, L.A. sports fans? This is the L.A. Courtside Podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and I am your host, L.A. Ray. And on this podcast, of course, we analyze both the Clippers and the Lakers all the way up into the Western Conference Finals, as we know both of our L.A. teams will make it to the Conference Finals. And I also go around the NBA to talk about other teams and other players as well. I'm going to start off this episode by talking about the uh, Clippers and how the Clippers are playing lately. Currently, the Clippers are nine and four, and that's second in the Western Conference behind the aforementioned L.A. Lakers. The Lakers are sitting at 11 and three. And as I mentioned before, there's no doubt in my mind that these two L.A. teams will make it to the Western Conference finals. As far as the Clippers are concerned, They are playing very, very well right now. They have won four out of their last five games. And what I'm seeing right now is you can definitely tell the mark that Ty Lue is putting on this team, especially on the offensive end. This offense is starting to be a a more free-flowing offense uh, as opposed to last year where they were mainly an ISO-type offense. And they're just moving the ball with uh, um, very, very crisply, crisply lately. If that's a word, crisply, crispy, crisply lately. And um, they're just playing very well. Um, everyone is getting a chance to touch the ball. You know, everyone is doing some scoring. And uh, and they're shooting the ball really, really well. Their last game against the, um, the Pelicans, uh, they were 18 out of 37 from the field. And, um, and from three-point land, they actually shot 48.6%. And again, last year, they didn't put up as many threes as they're putting up this year. Ty Lue has pretty much given them the green light. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to see Montrez Harrell out there firing up three after three. But, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, uh, Luke Kennard, Patrick Beverly, of course, Lou Williams, um, they pretty much all have the green light to shoot the three ball. And that last game against... Uh, the Pelicans, uh, they had 26 assists. So that's telling you right there that uh, they are moving the ball very, very well. They're averaging um, 113 points a game right now, which is actually fourth in the Western Conference. So uh, they're playing very, 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 very good basketball right now. And again, that ball is is moving very well in this Ty Lue offense. Um, they were shorthanded in this last game without, uh, they played without Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, but uh, Reggie Jackson actually came in and replaced Patrick Beverly in the starting lineup. And I know a lot of Clippers fans, I read on Twitter a lot where uh, a lot of Clippers fans are not enamored by Reggie Jackson. Um, He tends to turn the ball over a lot. I know when he was with Detroit, uh, he was really like a turnover machine, and he was a high-volume shooter, Uh, and he makes a lot of money. But right now, you know, he's coming off the bench, and uh, in this particular game, he replaced Beverly, and he actually had a really, really good, efficient game. Um, really can't fault him for anything in this game. He had 11 points. He had three assists. He had four rebounds, and he shot three out of six from three-piece land. Three-piece land, as I call three-pointers. 
And the most important part of that particular game is he had zero turnovers, zero turnovers to Reggie Jackson. And you can't get any more efficient than that. So when the Clippers can come off the bench or have someone replace Patrick Beverly in the starting lineup and bring in someone like a Reggie Jackson, you know, say what you will about him. He's a veteran. And, um, you know, he's he's been around. He knows how to play the game. He just has to um, stay within himself, you know, be efficient, you know, look for his teammates, which is what he did in this game, and limit the amount of turnovers. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, he played very, very well in that game. Also, Marcus Morris uh, came off the bench to score 18 points in 22 minutes. And Marcus Morris is going to be a very integral part of the Clippers bench you know as we move forward seven out of 12 field goals four out of six from three piece land Marcus Morris can shoot the three when he's open he can shoot the three just like his brother Marquis for the Lakers he can also shoot the three so he's also going to play a huge role uh, for the Clippers moving forward and then you know my favorite whipping boy of the Clippers if you all have listened to my prior episodes you know, I'm really, really hard on Luke Kennard. Seems like in every episode I'm mentioning Luke Kennard. And I'm also always talking about the money he makes. But that's okay. That's the NBA. They throw around money like it's candy. And that's fine. Luke Kennard got his candy. And that's okay. But what I've been saying all along is he just needs to be more consistent. And they need more out of him than what he's been giving so far this year. But in this particular game, he played 30 minutes, which um, in the last few games, he's, he was only playing 18, 19 minutes, no more than 20 minutes a game. I wasn't so sure whether or not they were losing confidence in Luke Kennard or not. But again, in this particular game, uh, maybe because they were missing a couple of players, he was forced to play more minutes. But um, in this game, he was six out of eight from the field, two out of two from three piece land. He also had five rebounds and six assists and a total of 14 points. So by far, this was the best game that Luke Kennard played, in my opinion, since being um, or since coming over to the uh, Clippers. And if they get played like that from him for the rest of the year, then look out. The Clippers are going to be hell to deal with. And again, you can see the Ty Lue influence starting to really, really take shape on this particular team. They are playing with a high level of confidence right now, especially Paul George. You know, Paul George uh, has gotten off to a hot start. Um, he's playing at an MVP level right now, and he seems to be on a mission here. And again, as I mentioned in prior episodes, he wants to erase all the things that happened last year, you know, all the negative things, the um, – meltdown against the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs last year when they got unceremoniously knocked out of the playoffs. Whatever rift he had with Doc Rivers after the season when Paul George said that Doc Rivers wasn't using him correctly, you know, maybe Paul George was saying, uh, if you read between the lines, that, you know, the offense that Doc Rivers was running did not fit his style of play. And as you can see this year, he is playing with um, a little bit more freely you know, I have seen Paul George actually leading fast breaks this year. It's a small sample size so far. And uh, but, you know, sometimes he'll get the rebound and instead of looking for the outlet, 
you know, the point guard like a Beverly or if Jackson is in the game or or whoever, you know, he will lead the break himself if that break is there. And we all know he can he can rebound, he can he can post up players, uh, he can shoot the three. You know, his defense is, you know, he's not the best defender in the world, but he's certainly not the worst. And he just has an overall game that's, um, you know, Paul George is a top 10 player, in my opinion, uh, easily. And then, of course, you have Kawhi Leonard. And as I've always been saying, you know what you're going to get, you know, out of him. Uh, they scored 138 points in that game against uh, Sacramento. And, you know, you can say what you want about Sacramento. They're not a great team uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, by missing a couple of players, um, you still scored 138 points. And and they were just shooting lights out. In the last uh, four games, as I mentioned, or they've won four out of the last five, in those five games, their field goal percentage is a blistering 49%, and their three-piece three shooting is 45%. So, and, and the, the worst three-point uh, shooting game that they had was against the Warriors, and they actually won that game where they actually shot 32%. But against the Kings, they shot 51%. Against the Bulls, when they won that game, they shot 52%. So they are playing, again, at a really, really high level. And you can tell by their body language that they have something to prove, not only to the Denver Nuggets and not only to the Los Angeles Lakers, but to all of the NBA. So I look for the Clippers to be um, in that Western Conference Finals, again, as I mentioned, against the Lakers. Both our L.A. teams. So on this podcast, again, we'll be talking Lakers. We'll be talking Clippers. You know, all of you fans, that uh, you, you have a faction of uh, Lakers fans. You have a faction of Clippers fans. That's okay. You have some that like them both. You know, you two can go at it back and forth all year until the finals come. But if you want some analysis on both of these teams, how both of them are playing, and um, how they stack up against each other, Come to the L.A. Court Sad Podcast with your host, L.A. Ray, and I'll give you the 411 on both of these teams all the way to the Western Conference Finals. So, again, Clippers, 9-4. and four. Keep up the good work. You're playing very well. And at this point, I will go around the NBA. And, of course, there's only going to be one stop, and that's going to be James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets and how everyone around the NBA is already drinking the Nets Kool-Aid, penciling them in for the Eastern Conference Finals and to win the NBA championship. Well, we'll see what L.A. Ray has to say about that. All right, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets. People, let, let L.A. Ray give you a little piece of advice Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. You got people across the NBA that are already penciling these guys in for the NBA championship. James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Yes, three great players on one team. However, can they mesh together? Will they gel together? Uh, They're used to shooting the ball so many times per game. They're all three are pretty much ball dominant, maybe with the exception of Durant. But, um, you know, he's not going to acquiesce to anyone himself. So how are they going to play with each other? So let's 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 break this down a little bit. Now, they had their first game 
uh, on Saturday with Harden. And what did Harden do uh, in his first game? Scored triple-double. You know, he, he did what Harden does. 32 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists. He was 8 of 18 from the field, only 3 of 10 from uh, three-piece land. He was 13 out of 15 from the free throw line, which is typical James Harden. He gets into the lane. He gets fouled. Uh, he flops a little bit sometimes, but, you know, what NBA player doesn't? He had nine turnovers, though, which is um, kind of unlike him. Um, that wasn't too good. But what um, impressed me the most was the 14 assists. If you watch that game, uh, he was throwing dimes. He was throwing dimes to his players, um, which is a, a really, really good sign. So he had a really good game the first time out. Kevin Durant scored 42 points on 16 of 26 shooting from the field, five out of eight from three-piece land. Now, he also had six turnovers. So combined between the two, they had 15 turnovers. Now, maybe it's just a matter of them getting used to each other. I'm sure that has something to do with it. They're not going to turn the ball over 15 times a game. Um, but that was uh, pretty alarming for the first game out. But – uh, having said all that, let, let, let's break this down. Uh, these three guys, again, very, very talented. And as far as the East goes, uh, they definitely have the best team in the East. Um, I don't see uh, Philadelphia uh, doing anything with the Nets, as long as the Nets stay healthy. Uh, you know, you got Doc Rivers over there coaching. I call him the ISO coach. Doc Rivers is old school. He's ISO coach type of guy. You know, you got Joel Embiid, big time trash talker over there. I sure wish Akeem Olajuwon was still playing so he can show Joel Embiid a thing or two and, you know, maybe shut his mouth up for once. Um, and then, you, of course, you got Ben Simmons, uh, you know, great player, but I don't know what's wrong with that kid, man. He treats the three-pointer like it's the Black Plague or something. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, then you got Milwaukee, of course. You got Giannis, you know, the regular season guy, I call him. You know, but once it gets into the playoffs – you know, I don't think Milwaukee's going to make much noise. Um, you know, Giannis doesn't elevate his players, so to speak, you know, for a guy that's a so-called superstar. You know, if I was coaching against him, I would just say, hey, man, back up. If he wants to shoot the three, let him shoot the three. You know, don't try to close out on him. Don't try to block that shot so he can blow bash, back, uh, past you and, and then dunk on one of your other teammates. Back up and let him shoot the three. You know, live and die by that, and pretty much you'll live. Uh, Boston, uh, from what I see, it'll probably be Boston and Brooklyn in the uh, finals in the East. You know, Kimball Walker has just come back for Boston. Uh, you got budding superstar Jason Tatum, if he's not already a superstar, averaging 26.9 points a game. And Jalen Brown, you know, I don't think this kid gets, gets enough praise. He's averaging 25.8 points a game. You know, he's close to being a superstar himself. But as far as Brooklyn goes, yeah, they'll probably make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they'll be able to beat any any of our L.A. teams, the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, but again, very, very good team. Now, uh, as far as those three playing on the court together, you know, I'm hearing, uh, you know, rumblings, rumors that this this trade was orchestrated by Durant, Irving and Harden. They wanted to hook up and make the big three or the, the big trio or whatever you want to call them. But the jury is going to be still out. You know, those guys are pretty much what I call ball dominant guys, you know, especially James Harden. 
Now, this last game where, where Harden scored uh, the triple-double and Durant scored 42 points, you know, they were taking the majority of the shots. They're not going to get all those shots, you know, when Kyrie Irving comes back. And again, down the stretch, you know, when a bucket is needed, you know, who's going to who's gonna have the ball in their hands? All three of them are capable, of course. Uh, but, you know, you don't have three basketballs on the court. So, you know, three ball-dominant guys, I just I – just, don't see it happening. And Kyrie Irving, I don't know what's going on in this guy's head. As I mentioned in my last episode, he's he's kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, space cadet type of guy. You know, the, the earth is flat type of dude, which he really believes. Right now, he's out for personal reasons. No one really knows what those personal reasons are. Well, I'm sure the Nets organization, organization they know. But, you know, he'll he'll come back. But, you know, how is he going to mess with these guys? Um, just remains to be seen. I, j- I just don't see it happening. And their bench, of course, has been completed uh, or depleted, I should say, because of this trade. They don't have Karis LeVert anymore, who was averaging about 18 points um, per game. And speaking of Karis LeVert, you know, I pray for the health of this guy. I don't know if all of you have heard, but, uh, you know, he just got traded to Indiana and they found a mass on his liver. And he's going to be out for a while. Uh, if you know the history of Karis LeVert, he uh, has battled injuries all throughout his career. When he was at the University of Michigan, he had two foot surgeries, one as a junior, one as a senior. And then he had another foot surgery uh, when he came into the league with the Nets. And now he has this uh, mass that they found on his liver. So let's hope and pray that um, that Karis is okay. Um, and then, of course, they lost Spencer Dinwiddie for the year with a torn ACL. So the Brooklyn Nets, you know, their bench has uh, been severely depleted. And all three of the big three, you know, they can't play the whole game. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. And if they do make it to the uh, the NBA Finals, you know, wouldn't that be a juicy story? You know, L.A. Ray likes those juicy stories, juicy subplots. How would they look going up against the Clippers in the NBA Finals? You know, with Paul George and Quiet Leonard, you know, going up against the big three, you know, with Durant, Kyrie and Mr. James Harden, the beard. You know, how would they look going up against the Lakers? You know, what, what can LeBron James be called the GOAT if he was able to beat the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA finals? You know, how would Anthony Davis pair up against the, uh, those guys? So that'd be very interesting going forward. But one thing I wanted to do real quick was to. Uh, compare this trio against um, some other big-time NBA trios over the years. For example, in Miami, speaking of LeBron James, you had James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. You know, none of those guys are ball-dominant. A lot of people even think LeBron James doesn't shoot enough. So he's not a ball-dominant guy. Wade wasn't really ball-dominant, and Chris Bosh certainly was not. You had the uh, San Antonio Spurs trio with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. You know those guys were not ball dominant. Um, Golden State, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and the aforementioned Kevin Durant. Now, Steph Curry is going to get his shots. I don't necessarily think he's a ball hog. A lot of people may think, boy, this guy, you know, he gets out of the bed shooting jumpers. You know, he can shoot it from the stands, but he can do that. He can make those shots. Klay uh, Thompson, you know, when he's open, he'll drain the three. Uh, and then we have already talked about Durant, uh, the Lakers going back a little further, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, 
Magic Johnson was another player who many thought that he could shoot the ball. He should shoot the ball more than he does. You know, Kareem, he got the ball down low from Johnson, did a sky hook. You know, he did his business. James Worthy was a guy that got the ball on the break. So, again, those players were not ball dominant. And then lastly, you have Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish. Larry Bird, the assassin, he was going to get his. But I, I never considered Larry Bird to be a ball-dominant guy. And certainly Kevin McHale and Robert uh, Parrish were not. But one thing all of those teams have in common that I just mentioned, they all won championships, all of them. So it's going to be some pressure on the Nets. Now, you've got your big three. You got what you asked for, Durant, Kyrie, the beard. You got what you asked for. So now you have to deliver. You have to deliver an NBA championship. The Nets gave up a whole lot of boatload of first-round picks, uh, first-round picks that um, that can be swapped, you know, that the Houston Rockets got. So you gave up a lot, and let's hope it works out for you. But so far, you know, for you fans, you Brooklyn fans, and you, some of you fans are jumping over the fence into Brooklyn, uh, pump the brakes a little bit. You know, let's see how it goes throughout the year, and uh, I'll be analyzing that situation from this point forward. next segment let's talk a little bit about the lakers the la lakers better known as the lake show currently sitting at 11 and 3 first in the west and as i mentioned before the clippers are number two at nine and four just as i predicted and again you guys are going to hear me preaching this all year clippers lakers western conference finals staples center be there Hopefully the COVID is over in the stands and be filled with Clipper fans and Laker fans. So the Lakers, um, I don't know. Is it just me? Is it just me? Or are they just look like they're going through the motions here or look like they're rather bored? Uh, in this last game against the Pelicans and God best bless the Pelicans. They lost to both of our L.A. teams, got beat up on. Uh, Zion didn't play in one of those games. I believe it was against the Clippers, but. Um, he played against the Lakers uh, in this particular game. The Lakers were down by 15 points in this first half. But, you know, if you looked at their body language and uh, the way they were playing and, and all of that, you would have thought they were up by 15 points. They had absolutely zero concern uh, on their faces in that game. There was never a point in that game where I thought they were going to lose, even though they were down by 15 Again, it's like they were going through the motions, and then they just flipped the switch, and then here we go. You had LeBron James doing his thing, doing what he does, 21 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, just a couple of rebounds away from a triple-double. I mean, this guy, uh, he's like a spring chicken, man. It doesn't even seem like he's getting older. You know, he, he just looks like he's having a lot of fun out there. He, he's where he wants to be in L.A., you know, he's in Hollywood. He's got everything going for him right now. You know, he's got a great team that he's playing for. He doesn't have to be the man on a team. And he's just cruising, man. You know, it's almost like he's toying with those guys. Um, the game, it was a, I don't know, was that the New Orleans game? Or maybe a game before that when James hit that three-pointer in the corner. And as he was shooting it, Dennis Schroeder 
said, bet a hundred, bet a hundred, bet a C note, a hundred dollars, you don't make this shot. LeBron James simply shot that three piece from the corner, turned around before the ball even made it to the rim, looked Dennis Schroeder in the eye. Ball went straight through the nets. Give me my hundred, baby. You can cough that hundred up after the game in the locker room. That's the kind of fun LeBron James is having nowadays. It's really, really uh, refreshing to see, you know, he's just having a ball out there. Anthony Davis in that particular game scored 17 points. You know, didn't have a dominant game, but, you know, he's not going to dominate every single game. But, you know, 17 points. He did what he had to do. You know, he's posting up people. You know, he can drive into the basket. And, you know, he shoots that mid-range shot. You know, kid has game, man. And again, is it just me or is it Anthony Davis? Does he end up on the floor a lot? It seems like he he's always tripping over somebody or falling down to the floor. He He's on the floor an awful lot. I don't know what's up with that. But anyway, uh, great, great player. Great, great, great player. And, you know, I don't know how much satisfaction he took out of beating his old team, you know, the Pelicans. Uh, has to take, you know, some satisfaction out of that. But. Uh, you know, Pelicans are out, man. You know, they were really, really out, man, in that game. So I uh, didn't expect anything different as far as the outcome in that particular game. But as far as the role players go, KCP, you know, hit four three-pointers. Now, if that kid continues to do that, um, you know, with some consistency, you know, lights out, man. You know, if, if that kid starts shooting threes and making them with any kind of consistency, uh, Lakers are really, really going to be tough. I remember when KCP first came into the league uh, with the Detroit Pistons. Um, as I mentioned to you all, that's where I'm originally from. Uh, I used to call him kid can't play. You know, he really wasn't a good shooter, that good of a shooter anyway. He always could play some defense. Um, you know, he can drive to the basket, he could feel lame, but he really wasn't that great of a shooter. He's really, really improved on that aspect of his game since he's come over to the Lakers. And, uh, again, as I mentioned, he had four three-pointers in that game. Any kind of consistency moving forward. And, again, Lakers are going to be hell to deal with. Uh, Montrez, you know, he did his thing. 16 points. You know, blah, blah, blah. No big deal. Uh, did all the dirty work. Gets a lot of his points in the paint. Really, really tough guy. You know, did his thing. Again, consistency. You're going to get that out of Trez just about every single game. What you see is what you're going to get from him every game. Dennis Schroeder, just love this kid, man. Love this guy. Only had 12 points, but what struck me is, and he's always been this way, an aggressive defender. He really, really can defend. And uh, the Lakers are going to need that down the line here. And then Kuzma also surprised me a little bit. Not that he scored, you know, 11 points. You know, I would like to see a little bit more offensive output from him moving forward, and I'm sure we'll get that. But uh, he had a surprising 13 rebounds. You know, he's not known for, you know, for a rebounding type guy. But uh, he had 13 rebounds in that particular game. And they held the Pels under um, 100 points. And anytime the Lakers do that, uh, they typically win the game. Um, they won like 28 straight games or something like that when holding teams to under 100 points. Now, this year, they've only done that three times. And one of the concerns about losing uh, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee was they were going to lose some defensive presence. And and they have, you know, you had those two big guys down there protecting the paint, 
you know, Mark Gasol can only do uh, so much. But that was a concern when you lost those two big guys. Because last year, the Lakers, 20 times last year, they held um, opponents to under 100 points. That included the regular season and the playoffs. So they did that 20 times. So, so far, only three times this year. But the flip side of that is I think their offense is better. So if you can't hold them to under 100, you know, if the other team gets 100, 105, 110, Lakers will just simply outscore you. You know, I think they're averaging somewhere around 113, 114 points a game, something like that. You know, it's not chopped liver, baby. So Lakers are playing well. Five-game winning streak, um, just cruising. They're just, they're just simply cruising. And I know it's a long season, and uh, there's going to be some bumps in the road. You know, they're going to lose some games. Um, they had a Twitter poll asking uh, how many wins uh, did, did the fans think the Lakers would have out of a 72-game season. Yeah, probably around 55, maybe, something like that. 55 and 17, is that a little too optimistic? I don't know. I don't think so. They can win 50, 55. Clippers can win 50, 55. You know, they'll both approach that 50-game plateau, barring any injuries or anything like that. So, again, Lakers, Clippers, they're both cruising right along, man. Western Conference Finals, baby. That's what I'm looking at. And with that, I'm going to close this show right here. I'd like to thank the Basketball Podcast Network along with producers Isha Jerome and Dylan Kaiser. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, L.A. sports fans. And the songs that you heard on the L.A. Courtside podcast today, the intro song was simply called X by a group called Exhibit from back in the day. That middle song you heard was from Mary J. Blige called Family Affair. Mary J. Blige, of course, is one of the best female rappers at all time. And she has a starring role right now in the popular TV series called Ghost 2. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, check that out. Mary J. Blige has a starring role in that show. And the outro song that you were just listening to is an all-time classic, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. That particular song was featured in the movie back in the day called Dangerous Minds. And this song, Gangster's Paradise, is number 85. Think about that. Number 85 on the Billboard's greatest hits of all time, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. So L.A. fans, L.A. sports fans, until episode number six, this is L.A. Ray. Peace.